Aloha, everybody. This is Indar Lang, and I'm a, your Hawaii money guy. And today we have a cool episode. We have my buddy here, Jeffrey Holst. Um, I've known Jeffrey now for a little while now. We're in a common mastermind where we just got to learn and meet each other and kind of grow together. And um, super excited to have him here. And um, yeah, so we're going to share a little bit about Jeffrey, and it's no bad days. I love it. Just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below and that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you guys and let's get started in today's content. No Bad Days is amazing and uh, I actually was at, driving somewhere the other day and I seen your video and it just helped me actually at that moment of day because I was stressed as hell. Wait, but, wait, um... you, wait, so you're watching my video while driving? I don't actually no, wait, recommend wait. that. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> but uh, Jeffrey here has an amazing book that's coming up. He's done uh, multifamily. He's done a bunch of uh, real estate endeavors. And we can dive on in and talk about uh, his book. About the, I really want to dive in to talk about No Bad Days, as I'm sure he talks about it all the time. But let's talk about real, real estate and some of all that fun sure. stuff. Jeffrey, so you grew up in Tennessee? Are you live, you're I, living there? Actually, yeah. I grew up in Michigan. So yeah, Michigan. I live in Tennessee yeah. some of the time now. I, I told you, uh, you know, when we were talking a few weeks ago that I, I bounced back and forth a lot between Chattanooga yeah. and Puerto Rico. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do that by choice because I love both places and my business is mostly in Tennessee. So so I have to come here a bit and Puerto Rico is just amazing. So, How long have you been doing real estate and, and the, in the multifamily world and, and everything? Or what did yeah, you do so before, I, I guess? Yeah, yeah, well, I was a I was a bankruptcy attorney in 2008, 9, and 10. So like the best possible time to be a bankruptcy attorney. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was really busy. And, you know, I even had like a television commercial. So I was like the, you know, better call Saul of my neighborhood or something. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I did that. And then I got into real estate in 2011, um, buying, you know, super cheap single family homes. And I built from there in 2017. I started uh, doing multifamily with like a smaller multifamily, like a 12 unit building. Then we did a 19, then a 32. And we just kind of yeah. went from there. How many units do you have now? You have. Uh, it's just under 400. I don't keep a really close number on it because, you know, the thing about unit count that's weird is like sometimes you own like 30% of a building, sure. sometimes you own like yeah. 70%, you know, like it's just yeah. all these weird numbers. So I just, uh, I care more about how much money I make than how many units I have, but <laughs> it's around forward. 400. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, I mean, you, when you do GP stuff, I mean, technically you, you own it. You're, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. And we, and you know, we do some, you know, we do GP stuff, but we still focus on much smaller deals than, than what most people are doing in the syndication world where our biggest building is 42 units. So that's how much, much smaller for a couple, deal a couple million or two to 5 million, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually there's a, there's, this is sort of my sweet spot. Like I like properties that cost at least a million three. Yeah. Um, because then it has a million dollar loan balance, right? Like if you put 20% down, it's a million dollar loan balance. It scares away the, the mom and pop type people. Yeah. But if you get over about a four or $5 million loan balance, you start getting all the big institutional investors and big syndicators. So if I buy stuff that's like between that one and a half to like three and a half, $4 million range, I just mm. don't really get a lot of competition. So, mm, mm. I, and those are, I like those properties myself. They're a lot easier to manage. You're more quaint. You're, you know, you don't have. Well, as much and you're more likely to find something that's mismanaged, which means there's a lot of upside, 
right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of people out there. They they bought a building 15 years ago. They own one 20 unit building and they're just, they haven't, they, they, they're just like, it's paid off. They don't really care. Like, yeah. They, and, and then all of a sudden you go in and like rents of, are 40% below market and you really don't have to do much to, to capture that upside. And those are just, raise, just send yeah. a letter. Rents are going to be raised. That's yeah. I mean, usually there's a little bit of deferred maintenance when you have a property yeah. like that. So you yeah, yeah. a little bit, but, yeah. but you know, these are properties that we've been able to the last couple of years, um, you know, buy them uh, in, in in 18 months or less refinance them and take all of our money back and still own the property. Yeah, it's burying it all out. That's the yeah, amazing it's just like part a, of it. It's multifamily burying. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. I love I love that whole avenue of it. Where what markets are you guys in? Are you in Tennessee and a few other Yeah, so Chattanooga the- and anything within like 50 miles of here is kind of my thing, but I also do um the east side of Michigan north of Detroit, so like um just, you know, 20 30 miles north of Detroit outside of the city limits. Um, it's really just like one county there that I focus on. And that that's just a function of I'm from Michigan originally. And my whole strategy in life is buy in places, you know, I know that market because I live there. Oh, you, you know, grew I up in Michigan. Yeah. 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 And then, and, and he, and I didn't actually grow up in that exact spot in Michigan, but I have yeah, but... a partner that lives there. And so, you know, I was very familiar with the market and, and then when I moved down here, I started buying down here. So just Michigan and Tennessee is your... Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some other markets still. Like, I mean, looking seriously at Puerto Rico, it's one of the reasons I spend so much time there. Because <laughs> I, I really think like the secret to picking a market is you just got to get really good at the market before you start buying there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Puerto Rico has a ton of upside. It feels like 2013, 14 there. Like, it's like really? you know everything's just starting to take well, off. Have you? What is the buying process down there? Can you? Is it similar? You know, you can get a loan and. Yeah, the loans are a little bit harder to get, but the cap rates are way higher. So, you know, you can justify paying cash for some stuff and make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can finance. Yeah, I mean, it's still... Well, could you um, pay cash and refinance it out too? Yeah, that that's a- that's the real strategy. It just takes a long time to finance. The banks are much slower there. And it's higher rates. Have you looked at rates and all that? Yeah, kind of rates stuff? are about a percent higher. So they're not, I mean, they're right. I mean, in today's sure. market, that's a lot, but but I yeah. mean it's not the end of the world, right? So you're paying seven and a half instead of six and a half or whatever. Yeah. Well, at least they do financing. A lot of those countries, some of them are yeah, crazy so Puerto 15, Rico's, 20. Yeah. Puerto Rico's like a hybrid, right? Like they're kind of their own <laughs> country, but they're kind of part of the US. Yeah, yeah. Everyone that's who right. lives there is a US citizen, some federal law applies, some doesn't. Yeah. It's yeah. actually a complicated jurisdiction. But as a result, it's super stable, right? It's US dollar based because they use the US dollar and uh and you know, you have an influx now because of the tax incentives. Which I don't apply for because as a multifamily investor, I, I don't need to be a Puerto Rican. Because you got the cost eggs and all. Yeah, that. I've yeah, got all yeah. kinds of bonus depreciation yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and so I'm not and really. So you worried never tried about... to get. You never did try to get the Puerto Rican residency six months in a day or whatever. No, never... in fact, I try to stay under six months there, so I don't have to pay tax in Puerto Rico because the tax in Puerto Rico is like four percent on export services. And I pay essentially 0% federal tax now. So I'm like 4%. That's more than zero. I'll just stay in the US. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you do a cost seg, which is best tax savings, I think, to raise. <laughs> it's unreal. I mean, they're starting to phase it out now, right? So the, yeah. the, the depreciation's, you know, getting 80, a little tougher, but 80%, yeah, but yeah. 80% bonus depreciation is still incredible. Well, it doesn't um, mean you don't lose the other 20%. It just means we- Yeah, it just you, gets you, spread out over a spread longer out. period. Yeah, so it's not like we're losing it. It's just less now, yeah. which is fine. 
I yeah, love I love I love that area actually you're investing in. I love Tennessee, and actually I've heard really good things things about Detroit too. But I've been loving, uh, wanting to be into Tennessee and to get some deals down there, and hearing a lot of good things about that market. My buddy has a bunch down there too. It's a real, it's a great market actually. I mean, it, re- it yeah. really is. I mean, it's a really good market. Um, you know, Chattanooga is good. I mean, it's a little hard to compete in Chattanooga with the deal size that we buy just cause there's a couple of other people already doing it. And like, we're here, um, and there just isn't that much transaction volume, but if you mm. get up to like Nashville or the surrounding areas of Nashville, I wouldn't get in Memphis necessarily unless you really dig deep into that market because there's some areas that are good, some are really bad. Memphis is like Detroit. There are there's tons of opportunity, but it's big it's competition. Also, yeah, well, there's competition, but there's also some areas you don't want to be like in Detroit. Right. If you don't have good market knowledge, and this is why we don't buy in the city at all anymore because there are some blocks that are good, and the next block over is a disaster. And mm-hmm. it's hard to predict the future in those situations because you know it could be the the disaster block is going to be risen, you know, pulled up by the better block next door, but it could go the other way too. So I, I don't like things that aren't clear. I like to you know know what's going on. I'd rather make a smaller return but have a predictable return. <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, well, we got to roll back here. We never talked about how we met and how we got to know each other from the mastermind sure. and uh, the social media group that we're in. Uh, it's our little circle with Brandon uh, and uh, we get to meet these amazing people. Uh, I feel uh, like I feel like every unreal, person, actually, every person I meet in that tight circle, like we just get close. Like it's just we have this yeah. kind of commonalities like. A normal person, like I feel like it would take years and years to develop a friendship, but I think in that circle, it's like we're just tight. Well, it's so intimate, right? Because it's such a small group. And then we're all trying to do the same things, you know, from different angles and whatever, but Mm -hmm. we have this common goal and we're just sort of like working together. And like, this is true of all the good masterminds though, right? If you have a small mastermind group, it doesn't matter if it's just three or four people getting together for coffee once a week, or it's something more formal like this one Brandon put together. But I mean, in these kind of small group settings, you, the, the collective of the, of the group Mm -hmm. is just so much better than the individual. It's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, we're all trying to grow together. We're all trying to help each other, which uh, just lets our guards down because we'll share our weaknesses, our struggles and that lets you be vulnerable or what's working for you or what to try, you know, or what you're working on. I feel like. Yeah, and, and I've gotten so many great ideas already from that. And, you know, we're only <laughs> yeah. a few months in and yeah. like, we've got like, you know, so much more time to go and, and, and I'm, I'm excited to come hang out with you. I hope I get to see you here in a, yeah, in a month yeah, or so. Yeah. So that'll be fun. When we fly over, I don't get to use a jet. I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I want to fly up actually to California just to jump on the private jet to be able to yeah right why not just fly over there and get that's on the part of the come back that's part of the experience you know? i know i'm excited about that i've never been on a private jet so i'm, I'm excited about that just for the too. content alone right <laughs> i think i should i should ask well i think actually you could do it i mean but but like you know whatever I, that seems like we're a little off topic for podcast land here so i don't think it's the a, listeners care about it too much so but, uh, but I think pri- you, private jet it's a yeah it's that's a big problem right i know it's our life is so hard you live in maui i think you're gonna be okay yeah, well i live in honolulu i live in different oh, oh you're in honolulu yeah yeah, 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 I didn't, yeah i didn't realize that i knew you're in hawaii yeah. somewhere but for some reason i thought you were in maui no i 
Uh, I live on Big uh, I'm from Big Island, but I live in Oahu now. But I go over okay. the islands a lot. But let's dive in. You have a passion for climbing mountains, great giant mountains. Tell me, I didn't know that. Oh, I don't know if I have a passion for it. I have a passion for doing interesting things. Yeah. So I never really climbed a big mountain. So I went, hmm, what's the biggest mountain that a reasonably um, unfit person can climb? <laughs> yeah. I say reasonably unfit because like, I'm like not that unfit, go, but I'm also not Elvis. like yeah, superstar. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be so, so I wanted something that was like, you know, it's approachable, but but also would be challenging. And so I picked Kilimanjaro, which is the highest mountain in Africa. Um, mm. Did that in 2020, um, in February of 2020, got back right before COVID started and shut down the world, you know. Oh, geez. And um, yeah, and so, you know, that was a really great experience and and I don't regret it, but I, man, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Really? How long did 19, it take you? Yeah, eight days. Eight, eight days. days. Nineteen thousand yeah. feet. You go from a from a rain tropical rainforest all the way to a, a temperate like alpine zone in uh, yeah. in, this, in seven days, and then one day down. The main reason it takes so long is just getting used to the the That's mountain amazing. elevation because the yeah. the altitude sickness is bad. My brother went with. Um, he ended up with acute uh, mountain sickness. He had uh, pulmonary edema, so his lungs were filling up with fluid. So he ended up having to leave the mountain early and ended in a oh, hospital geez. for four or five days. And oh wow, Jeez, yeah, in Tanzania, right? Just hanging out yeah. in Tanzania in a hospital by yourself. I mean, it was terrifying, but uh, it turned out fine. So it could have been worse. Yeah, and then you, well, you kept going and made it to the top. I did, yeah, and um. Mainly because my brother was like, well, why would you quit? Like, like, what's the point? Like, you know, you can't help me. You're not a doctor. So I'm going to go to the hospital. You're going up the mountain. I said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I really want to, I would love to do something like that. I love the experience of those kind of ventures in life, you know? To, yeah. It's also, you know? it's kind of mastermind-ish too, though, in a way, because like um, the people that I climbed with are now really great friends of mine. You know, my brother, really? of course, I was already tight with, but there was a group of five of us. And I didn't know the other guys very well. And now if I see them, we're like, we've got this shared experience. Yeah. yeah and and even so just the other day, someone I met on the mountain reached out to me about doing another climb. So maybe I am going to be that guy that climbs <laughs> mountains. I think we're looking at doing Everest base camp in the fall oh, now. Cool. So yeah, so cool. I'm, I'm, I may do that. Um, I haven't decided yet. I told her. I would think about it for a few days because it's a big commitment. Financially is one thing, but the time is the thing. It's that's a 21 day track in Nepal. And it's a couple yeah, 20, 20 grand or 10, 20 grand. Yeah, it's actually really cheap. I mean, the, the actual trek is only like 2,500 bucks. Um, but then there's the cost of getting to Nepal, obviously. And then sure. the, taking the basically a month off by the time you do a 21 day trek <laughs> yes. and you spend any time at all traveling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Syria. So the real month. cost is the time. And I think I can justify the time. But then there's also the before Kilimanjaro, I trained for a year and this is like, you know, not a year from now. And I'm like, it's just as hard. It's 18,500 feet, three peaks over 18,400 feet, actually. So geez, just to get the base camp. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do this thing called the three passes. There's actually a different way you can go where you don't go quite as high, but, but yeah, base camp is, is pretty high, uh, pretty high elevation as well. So geez, I was watching some crazy videos of somebody when that mountain erupted up there and a lot of people died and stuff and well i'm gonna hard. try not to die <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of my habits <laughs> trying to stay alive i was talking to a pilot last night and and i was talking about you know are you concerned about the 300 plus passengers you know in the back he's like 
No, my first concern is myself. If I live, that means everyone else is going to live. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I mean, that, that's exactly right. I mean, and listen, uh, obviously, if given a choice, I would try to save someone else's life. But like, I also don't want to die. <laughs> right? So I don't think no one wants to die. <laughs> but so you were attorney for a while. Do you still practice being an attorney? Does that I help? I don't. No, I quit practicing law in 2010. So what happened is I got... um. In 2008, I got diagnosed with leukemia and uh, I was really honestly, this is how I know I don't want to die because I was told I had like weeks, maybe months to live, you know, and I was like, whoa, that's not good. Um, Got to figure this one out. Uh, and, it, and it's highly motivating when you're told something like that. Yeah. How'd you figure it out? What what, what was this? Um, so I actually was in Peru. I went to Machu Picchu and I came back with a respiratory ailment. They gave me antibiotics. I wasn't getting better. And, um, and so they did some blood work and they found the leukemia as a, like, as a side effect of doing the blood work. Like I didn't have any symptoms really from that. Yeah. Um, but my white blood cell count was extremely elevated. And so for a period of like three or four days until they figured out what kind of leukemia I had, like we all assumed that I had like a few weeks to live because my white blood cell count was like 250,000 and it's supposed to be like 4,000. Right. Uh, and I don't know anything about leukemia other than I had a cousin who had died of leukemia a few years earlier and her white blood cell count when she died was around a hundred thousand. So I was like more than double as high as her. And I was like, this can't be good. <laughs> right. You know, like yeah. we're doing, we're doing estate planning at this point. Um, but I, I was fortunate because the type of leukemia I had, there was a new treatment protocol that had just recently come out. I got on that. Uh, it took care of the problem for the most part. It's actually controlled. It's not gone. So I take a one a day chemotherapy pill have mm. for 15 years now. Oh. And uh, anyway, the, the thing about it is though, I was off work for a long period of time and I had the, the, the television commercials and the phone book ads. I mean, it's hard to yeah. imagine phone book ads anymore, but I had these expensive <laughs> phone book ads and I was burning through about five or $6,000 a week and I wasn't making any money because I didn't have any attorneys. Yeah. And, um, and it, it drove me into personal bankruptcy and I just went, you know what, I need to figure out something different, um, some way to support my wife if, if something happens to me because I didn't know if I was going to live. So after the bankruptcy, I uh, took a job with Better Insurance and I started investing everything I could in real estate. Well, better insurance. What was that company? That was oh, just the it was a it was a small company, but you know, working for yourself as an attorney, your health insurance isn't awesome. Oh. And like, so I just when I went to work for this this company that was, it was only like forty or fifty employees, but they had reasonably good Blue Cross insurance, and yeah, I was able to cover my expensive chemotherapy treatments and things like that, and and I made reasonably good money. Fortunately, I have an MBA and a law degree, so I was able to get a good job, you know, a yeah, good salary. Yeah, yeah. And I just started taking the money I was making post-bankruptcy and uh, and just piling it into uh, into real, real estate. estate. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't, I mean, I didn't put that much into real estate, you know, maybe $30,000, $40,000. But, but in 2010, you could buy a lot of real estate for thirty yeah. or $40,000, yeah, yeah, back out. then, yeah. Especially yeah. in Detroit. You look really smart. When houses yeah. were like a thousand bucks. Yeah, and, 12, 13 years later, you look really smart at whatever yeah. you bought, no matter what. Yeah, really was. good timing. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. could have bought anything then and you're, you're golden now. And then, and then flash forward five or six years, uh, the company I was working for was getting sold to a bigger company. They offered me a job in their legal department and I was like, nope not doing that. I'm going to just yeah. live off the real estate. And I never went back to work. And that's actually when I started buying multifamilies. So I was like, well, I don't really have quite enough to survive on indefinitely here. So I need yeah. to figure out a way to ramp it up. And so I started buying bigger 
you know, bigger deals. And syndicating and doing it. Yeah, I didn't even start syndicating for maybe another year or so, maybe two years mm-hmm. after that. So yeah. That's I've been wanting to do syndication models, but I haven't really stepped into that model still yet. I've been Yeah. So, you know, I mean, um, people make it more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, you need to be careful. There's legal compliance issues and stuff like that, right? You want to get good legal advice. But I mean, at the simplest level, you're just pooling people's money together, right? You're raising some capital from multiple individuals and you're going to buy real estate and you get paid really well for it. You get to keep a piece of the deal. You might get some fees on top of that. Um, You know, so if you, you develop the expertise, necessary to find good deals that's yeah. valuable and people are willing how are, to how do you find most of your deals now are you are you on the hunt all the time are you brokers sending you yeah stuff i mean or? you know it's um it's a lot of relationship stuff so you know we have um you know we have uh we have a prop my partner has a property management company so sometimes it's as simple as properties that he's managing people are like oh i want to sell it so you're first yeah. in line yeah um Sometimes it's uh, just the fact that we've already bought deals. Like the, the cool part about buying in a confined market like we do and buying in a certain deal size is that the brokers all know. Like if, if somebody says, I want to sell this 25 unit building in uh, Chattanooga, they're going to call us. The, who, it doesn't matter what broker they go to. That broker is going to say, I know the people that buy these. <laughs> like yeah, I should talk yeah. to that person. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of deals just from like natural deal flow now, but it's taken a long time to get to that. You know, it started with like really a big grind Um, and we're still a grind. Like you might, you know, sometimes you're like, man, I can't find any deals. And then all of a sudden three deals show up. Huh? Yeah. That's how it is. I know you'll get all of a sudden you got to close on three. I know. And then you're like, I can't buy all three and they all look great. Like, how do I do it? That's when we syndicate. Cause you know, we prefer uh, still, to to take the deals down in a smaller, tighter group, if at all possible. So like, yeah, yeah. you know, when you syndicate, you might end up with, you know, 10, 15%, 20%, if you're lucky of the deal as a GP, you know, cause you're splitting your GP side a couple of different ways. Yeah. Um, if I buy a deal, like a 15 unit building and it's just me and you buying it, then we have it 50, 50. I'd much rather yeah. that deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot better splits. Yeah. Yeah. So, day. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're not, I mean, you're, but the difference of course is you're coming up with the money yourself in those scenarios. So there's a limit to how many of those you can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And and sometimes in the syndicated models, some of those syndicators are not doing it for the cash flow. They're looking for the flip model, you know, long-term flips sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so. and I mean, there is something to be said about that. In fact, you know, uh, Ben Labovich told me once when I was talking to him, he said, you know, you have to think about all real estate as a flip. It doesn't matter. It might be a 10-year flip, but it's still a flip. Like, because mm-hmm. the only way you really know what your return is, is when you sell. Oh, really? Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, if yeah. you're cash flowing, like, I mean, theoretically, hypothetical, you buy XYZ property and it makes, uh, you pay a million dollars and it makes $100,000 a year in cash flow. So it's amazing. It's a 10 yeah. 10% yeah. cash on cash return, right? You pay yeah. whatever, right? Um, that sounds cool. But if you end up selling it five years from now for $500,000, then you just got your million dollars over five years. That was not a good investment, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, on the other hand, cool. and if you buy a million dollar property and it cash flows $0 in five years from now, you sell it for $5 million, it was a pretty good investment, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, that's true. So like, so like you have to consider both variables because cash flow matters because that's part of your internal rate of return, but yeah. also the exit matters. Yeah. So you really do have to look at them all as a flip. It doesn't matter if you're holding it for six weeks or six years. Yeah. No, I I analyze deals differently just because based on the appreciation model, you know, is this 
am I going to be all right? Just a less, less cash flow. And I know the appreciation is going to kick butt on this, this, this asset or yeah, in, yeah, in Hawaii, what, we have huge appreciations. So. Oh yeah. And, and that's what, you know, we do that on our, our multifamily because we're doing value at a lot of times they don't cash flow at all when we buy them, but we know we can raise rents 40%, which is going to yeah. increase the NOI dramatically. Sure. We're probably going to fix the building up. And if we bought like a, a C plus building in a B area and we fix it up a little bit, all of a sudden it's a B area yeah. B building. Yeah. And now, yeah. now we've got a better building in a better area with higher rents and it's worth significantly more. And that's what we try to do. So yeah. I mean, that's, that in. and then you refinance and take all your money out, take your investors money out and do it again. Yep. And, and again. just keep repeating. Yep. Yeah. I love that process more now in multifamily than in, in the single family. I've done birds in both ways now. And I, I love the multifamily burr better. <laughs> Obviously. Well, it's easier to predict the value, right? And you have more control over the value. The single family burrs, they, they can work, but you have to buy at a discount and fix them up. Yeah. Um, multifamily burrs, if you can raise the net operating income, you raise the value every time. Yeah. And I mean, I think cap rates are kind of over uh, rated. Honestly, I mean, a cap rate is just a, kind of a quick average of the area, but some yeah. people care about cap rates i think sometimes too much personally I don't yeah know. So what you... and people confuse them too right so like um people go okay i've got i'm getting this cap rate well the thing is like maybe right but until you actually yeah. buy it and know what your noi actually is you're not going to yeah. know what the real cap rate is yeah. but but there's also this like there's a going in cap rate there's a going out cap rate there's a market cap rate there's a project cap rate it's not like there's <laughs> one thing right like yeah, it's yeah. not like oh these are we're in a five cap market okay cool but if i'm buying something at a three cap but i'm going to raise the noi so that um my effective cap rate is a seven cap and i'm going to sell it at a five cap that matters, right? Yeah. Because then I'm getting a bunch of upside on the back. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, if I'm buying at a five cap and I can't raise the NOI and I'm going to sell at a four and a half cap, that, that's good too, because that's appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. You just got appreciation. about That's about all you got. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So it's it's complicated, but it's exciting and fun and I like it. So that's all that really matters. Yeah, yeah. No, multifamily is a lot more interesting. I think it's becoming a lot more popular too in the in the last year or so uh, with people and so forth. I, a lot of my friends and people I've seen been moving more into multi as myself. I've been trying to yeah, go more. Feel, into it multi. feels that way, right? But I also yeah. wonder sometimes if there's self selection bias, right? Because you know we hang out with people that are interested in multifamily, and, and then all you of a sudden, can, seems like yeah. everyone's doing multifamily. Yeah, but it's because all it. of our friends happen to hang out with people that happen do multifamily. To, yeah, that's so, probably it. like. I don't know if the average real estate investors buying apartment buildings. I, I don't think they are. Like I think the average real estate investors buying like single family houses, but, yeah. but definitely you see it more online than you used to. And it yeah, might just yeah, be, yeah. we're getting better at sharing the content too. Yeah. Yeah. Or the people that, that we follow or it just happens to the algorithm of Instagram shares. Their yeah. There's so, there's so many variables because, you know, we all live in these bubbles and like, I feel like I see your stuff all the time. I don't know how much you post, but I feel like I see your stuff all the time, <laughs> Thank you. but yeah. I never saw your stuff two months ago. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. think you're posting that much more now than you were two months well, ago. Well, I actually kind of am. I'm posting oh, daily okay, now. Right, fair try it tried to. Well, I didn't even know who you were four months ago. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until we met in the group. Yeah. Yeah, and I see your stuff too all the day. Well, talking about your stuff, we didn't even talk about the fun stuff. No bad days. Yeah. We didn't even get to talk about. And so I love the no bad days things. And I actually honestly think of you sometimes when I, like this business, I get stressed big time. I'm you know buying a 
I'm buying a $5.6 million shopping center right now. The stress nice. levels can get, you know, up there when, you know, you have to deal with yeah, lenders. Yeah, because you're and... putting in millions of your own dollars or partner yeah. capital. And you're like, what if I miss something? Like, yeah. what if, like one of these yeah. units goes vacant or dark? <laughs> it's just dealing... really, yeah, it's intimidating and scary. And Well, I'm just buying it right now and dealing with the lender. My one lender uh, basically pulled out of me. I had to swap to a new lender. <sighs> You know, and rates and, keep changing constantly yeah. right now. Yeah. And like, luckily, we, we actually got a better price. <laughs> but oh, <it's> nice. Like, <laughs> but it's stressful, man. It's just stressful buying a house in general. And then yeah. when you're doing this all the time, like that level of stress. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the middle of buying a 56 unit building. It's going to be our biggest apartment building. And it's like yeah. the same exact thing. It's like, and there's all these variables and you find out stuff and then you're like, whoa, should I change this? And it doesn't really matter if you're buying a single family house or you're buying a shopping center or an office building. I mean, the building I'm in now is an office building we own, but like every deal I do, something comes up that stresses me out yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and, it's always And that's where right. the... That is actually where the no bad days thing can be really useful. And I love hearing that, um, that you think about me sometimes in this, because that's <laughs> the reason I do it. Because yeah. my thing is like good and bad stuff is going to happen to you no matter what. And like the trick is to just focus on the positive and minimize the negative. So like, for example, I decided this when I was 17, this is a depreciation schedule away, right? 27 yeah. and a half years ago, I decided I'm going to give up bad days. Haven't had a single bad day in 27 and a half years, but I was diagnosed with leukemia and thought I was going to die for most people. That would be a bad day. Yeah. But I was like, eh, I got diagnosed at 10 o'clock at night. Most of the day was pretty good. You know, <laughs> this is a perspective. And you could say like, well, that's really not a fair way to look at it. But the thing is, kind of is right because somewhere in the world right now someone's having the worst day of their life somewhere else yeah. in the world someone's having the best day of their life so today yeah. it's not good or bad it's just how those individuals perceive it that mm -hmm. that determines how they're receiving that day and so if i can even if it's self-delusion trick myself into believing today's a good day then today is a good day for me. And so when bad stuff happens, I try to find the positive in it. Like what good stuff can come from that negative. And so like when I got leukemia, I thought, oh, look at all these people that are showing up at the hospital to see me. Like people love me and it felt good. And, um, and it gave me a clearer head to make the decisions I needed to make that kept me alive. And the yeah. next day, you know, same thing. I found little things that made my day good. And, and then the next day I found little things that made my day good. And the truth is by stringing together all those good days for the like 15 years since I was diagnosed with leukemia, I've ended up in a world that's so much better than I would have ever been. And where I get to hang out with you in Hawaii, right. Yeah. Where I get to do things like hang out with Brandon. I mean, I mean, I, I remember when I first heard of Brandon Turner, I thought like, it would be cool to just like someday shake that guy's hand. <laughs> and then like, here we were in like San Diego, like, you know, doing shots and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it's cool to have. So the no bad days, how do you deal with like when you, when you really are kind of on the verge of having a bad day or you have like a stressful time in your life, you know, buying a... <laughs> A deal yeah. could be, it's not a stressful day. It's a stressful weeks or months. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So so the thing is, right, again, it's about perspective, right? So it's yeah. not, I'm not saying bad stuff's not going to happen to you because it will. Good and bad stuff's going to keep happening to everyone. But if you can reframe it into a, how do I deal with whatever the garbage that I'm dealing with is? And and embrace the positive, then you're going to feel better and you're going to have a clearer head and you're going to make better decisions, right? So, so 
for me, um, and, and there's science behind this, actually. Tony Robbins calls it the reticular activating system. Um, it's really called the Bader-Meinhof effect. But the basic idea is your subconscious mind defaults to what's familiar, right? So like if you buy a Honda Civic, all of a sudden it seems like there's Honda Civics everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Even though they were always there, you didn't see them. But now you're familiar with it. So you see it, you recognize it. Yeah. So a big part of this is getting really good at seeing positive. The more positive you see, the easier it becomes to see positive. So like I got diagnosed with melanoma like two years ago. And my first thought was like, wow, that's terrible. Like a second cancer, that's going to be bad. And like a half a second later, I thought this is going to be a great story on a podcast. And, and I was like, awesome. I got something cool to talk about later. Oh, yeah, You know, and like, it might sound crazy, but the thing is, it made that experience better for me. And I think, you know, um, you know, the, the, the magicians, they say abracadabra, you know, this yeah. abracadabra, you know, that yeah. actually is from ancient Aramaic. Most people don't know that, but it's no. uh, abra and kadabra. It's two separate words. And it literally means as I speak, it is like, yeah. basically like I speak it into existence, you know? So from like my perspective, I just say today's a good day so often. And, you know, I carry around my coffee cup says no bad days. Carry yeah. around my book says no bad days. I tell everyone I never have bad days. So when bad stuff happens, what happens to me is I go, huh, what am I learning from this experience? What, what, what growth am I getting? Like, yeah what what could have been worse what's good about the experience right and there's always some good in everything like when i got leukemia that sucked but it also caused me to get out of being a law a lawyer right and like yeah. start investing in real estate and now yeah. i can do things like take a month off and climb kilimanjaro right <laughs> or uh or go back and forth to puerto rico like one week here one week there like yeah. most people can never live their life like that and i get to do it because of the the garbage that I had to deal with. And, you know, Hal Elrod, the, the guy who wrote Miracle Morning. Yeah, he's um, great. Yeah. yeah, amazing, right? He has this quote that I love. And he says, the the, the moment you accept 100% responsibility for everything in your life is the moment you can change anything in your life. Huh. And I'm like, that's how I, that that's how the no bad days thing is. It's like, was it my fault that I had leukemia, right? But, but, it, but it was my responsibility to deal yeah. with it. To, to, to play the cards as well as I possibly could that I was dealt. And so when stressful things happen, if you're like, okay, how do I make this awesome? Then, then it's going to be better. Now I'm not saying you're never going to be stressed out or you're never going to have a bad moment or you're never going to, you're, yeah. you're never going to get pissed off at somebody. I mean, all those things are going to happen because we're living a human existence and we're exposed to all this stuff. But the more you do this, the better you get at it, the sure. easier yeah. it becomes. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's all starts in your mindset. I think your mindset is kind of what you're, uh, you know. Yeah, it starts with all, mindset, it ends yeah. with mindset. It's all yeah. mindset. Just by changing your thought process of the whole thing, you know, it definitely it can. Yeah, and, and it, you know, listen, we all know people that are always complaining. Like nothing's really wrong in their life and they think it's terrible. Um, same thing works that way too. So just train yourself like build that mental muscle up to be more positive and you become more positive. And even if you don't believe it, like if you want to start right now, like, like you want to give up bad days today, this is what you do. You just say out loud, today's a good day over and over again. Day. And and you just keep saying it until you believe it. It might, because it's that abracadabra, it's speaking it into existence and how you perceive the day is the only thing that matters. So if you can convince yourself today's a good day, it is a good day.
And so you just do that long enough. And I mean, it might take a week or two of saying that, you know, 10, 50 times a day, whatever. Today's going to be a good day. (laughs) Yeah. Today's going to be a freaking great day. Yeah. Like today is a good day. Today's going to be an amazing day. Another thing you can say is I never have bad days. Like I don't have bad days. If you say that enough, it becomes true. I don't have bad days. I don't have bad bad days. days. And no you can hashtag days. it and you can put it on your book and <laughs> yeah. your coffee cup, you know, and, and remind yourself constantly. And eventually you become the no bad days guy and I'm out of a job. <laughs> and that's all right. I'll be happy. No. For you. you get all the credit for it. <laughs> no bad days. No bad, no bad days. No bad days. And I love it because I'm sitting here, honestly. And before this, I... I was in a meeting earlier and I sat there and I talked for an hour in a meeting earlier. And then I jumped onto the podcast with you so that, you know, last two hours, my mornings are normally my like busy phone calls, emails, like everyone's at my throat, you know, wants my attention. And, uh, and that stress is building as I'm, as I was, you know, sitting in the mornings normally and now building more. And now to jump on the air with you and to know that no bad days, you know, it's, it's just the, the model. It just makes you smile. I'm smiling here. And love uh, it. it makes you feel good that, you know, you'll get through it. You know, like, so, yeah. okay, well, you'll, it'll be fine. You know, it's, it's no different than the good vibes thing you got behind you. You know, it's like <laughs> surround yourself with positive, like yeah. of, um, you know, things that say no bad t-shirts that say no bad days. People send them to me all the time now. Like, oh, really? I get, yeah. like random <laughs> gifts that say no bad days. And I just fill my house up with this no bad days stuff. But there's, but this stuff works beyond no bad days, right? Yeah. Um, you can choose how you experience the world. And so you get to make these choices. Like, do I want to be a real estate investor? Do I want to live in Hawaii? Like, do I want to move to Puerto Rico? Do I want to invest in certain types of assets? Do I want to be a do I want to grow my business or do I want to just keep it the same? All of those things, those decisions, if you make them purposefully, make your world yeah. better. Yeah, it's so true. It's all it's all the decision of how you want to see it, do it, and what you want to do. And uh, um, even now, I'm very I'm very focused with my time now, and and I don't want to do negative activities or things that, or even just work that's going to bring me down. You know, um, so I'm constantly focused on my time differently because I want to have that positive, good lifestyle. You know, I want to have a good time with my family. Yeah. I want to have good moments, you know? And that's, that's another one of my core philosophies. We call that the last life ever philosophy. It's like, it's like recognizing that this is our last chance to live this life. Yeah. Like we're not going to do it again. And there's a, there's a certain level of responsibility associated with that. Like if you and our are called to do certain things, you feel compelled to do those things. It doesn't matter if it's climb mountains, start charities, help the poor, uh, build houses, whatever it is that you're called to do. If you don't do those things, those things never get done by you. And if you don't do them now, you can't do them later because we only get one chance. And whatever we don't do today, we can never do today, right? Like, And because time keeps moving. And so I feel like not only is it our responsibility to ourselves to like live the best possible version of our lives, but it's our responsibility to our family, to our community, and really even to the world. Like yeah. if you don't do those things that you're supposed to do, you're cheating the world out of the the product that you would have created. Yeah, whatever that is. It's so true. Yeah. 
what you would have gave to the world if you don't do it yeah yeah and that's what i love about brandon right like we talk about the mastermind like he's doing all these big things and he wants to be so charitable and do all and make the world a better place i'm attracted to that and and that's that's why i'm attracted to the group it's why i'm yeah why i do what i do why i come on podcasts and talk about real estate is so i can tell people about living a better version of their life it's not about real estate like i like real estate but real estate's a tool that helped yeah. me live a better version of my own life. It's not, yeah. it's not the end. It's just the means. It gives you freedom to do the fun things. Yeah. And, yeah. and time yeah. freedom is the most important thing we can yeah. do. Yeah. I interviewed this guy, Tony Pinnells, a doctor out of Australia, who said to me, the most important thing to learn in life is how to buy back your time as soon as possible. As yeah. soon as that should be your number one priority. How do I buy back my time? So I'm not trading my time for money. If you can buy back your time so you can do what you want. Now it's fine to earn money for your time, right? That's okay. But if you're, if you're making that choice out of, I need the money to buy food, then you're not, then you're, you don't own your time, right? If you're doing it because like Brandon, you want to raise more money for charity. That's why you're working. That's awesome, right? Then yeah. you're making a choice. I, I Brandon owns his time and he's choosing to go make money so that he can donate more money to charity, that he can enrich his family's life, that he can re- enrich his own life, but he doesn't need to do it, right? So like the first step in life, figure out how to buy back your time. And I thought, man, that is so smart. So smart. It is. And smart. everyone yeah. can do it. That's the, I mean, that's the rich dad, Robert Kiyosaki philosophy, you know, buy assets because they pay you forever. You got me thinking the, more about the, the, the aspect of time time is what makes us ultimately happy you know if we're spending the time you know working at mcdonald's and we're hating life or we're spending the time growing business and taking ourselves out of business and then eventually spending our time you know with the family traveling you know hiking mountains like our time yeah helping creates, people traveling anything i mean the point it is creates everything can... in our life but yeah. yeah yeah and you know we control how we we create the existence that we have and the choices we make impact our future. The future version of Indar is 100% responsible irresponsibility right now. Yeah. Like yeah. like and 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 this is another thing that I do for myself. Like when I go through trauma, you ask about like how do you deal with hard things? And I and you know you something somebody does something terrible to you and you want to lash out at them and you want to mm-hmm. scream and throw things whatever, right? Like I I take a second and I say what action would future Jeff be proud of me doing right now? Like when I look back at this moment, five years from now, am I going to be happy with how I responded? If you think of it from that perspective, you're always thinking about how do I make future Jeff better? Like, like yeah. your life gets really, really good, really fast. Yeah. And you become and you, a much better person. If you focus on that. Yeah. There's a, let's say if you get 1% better every day, you know, and, in a year, you're 365% better. You know? Yeah, so. and that's not, it's actually more than that because of compounding, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's compounded. Yeah, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that I, I feel that it's in our society more so too nowadays that people are more focused on bettering themselves, more self-help. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to love self-help books, but now I feel it's really popular now. Everyone loves yeah. Self-help. I think it's COVID actually. So I've had this philosophy for a while that was like, the people that inspire me the most are people that have gone through hardship. Like Hal Elrod's a perfect example of that. He's had Mm. all kinds of problems and he's done all these amazing things as a result. And like, in spite of his difficulties, he's gone and done these things. Right. And, and I think what happened with COVID is the whole world went through a challenging time. 
forget about yeah. whether you, you know whether whose fault it is or whether you're pro vaccine or anti vaccine but we all went through this collective experience of negativity and challenge and not ever some people are going to come out worse from it obviously you know some people get leukemia and die but in my case getting leukemia made me a better person right yeah. and and i think life, yeah. some yeah. significant portion of the world is becoming better because we went through this experience and we're, you know, we're hopefully at the tail end of it now, you know, as we sit here in 2023, I mean, who would have thought that back in the summer of 2020, we'd still be talking about this in 2023. Yeah. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I do think it it matters. And I think it's woken a lot of people up to their, to their potential. Mm -hmm. And a lot of great things are going to come out of it. I think we'll look back at this point in time, 10 years from now and say, that was an amazing point in time when all this great stuff happened. Yeah, I think we are. We're still growing. I mean, the last two years, I know anyone in real estate had their best two years in real estate, probably. Most everyone had yeah. their best two years. We're about ever. to go through a challenging two years. <laughs> yeah, I think, and now see if you can have and, but, the next But we're two all years, ready so. for it. You know, that's the thing. Like, like five years ago, people weren't talking about this stuff. Now they yeah. are. People are like, whoa, what happens if something unforeseen happens? Like just being aware of the possibility of a black swan event, like a, like a global pandemic changes how you choose to run your business. Yeah. Yeah. It plans better. you know, you, you have, you know, you have a better reserve for your rental properties or you have a war chest. I call it a war chest. I have a war chest. And yeah. And I think like right now, if you're buying real estate, you better have long-term debt in place. You better have some cash flow and you better have a cash reserve, your war chest. Yeah. yeah if yeah, you don't have those yeah. things, don't buy. Don't yeah. ever spend your last dollar on real estate. It's a bad strategy. Yeah. You, it's not an overnight get rich kind of thing. It's it's a long-term strategy. of. It's a short-term yeah. strategy, but it's a, it's longer than one day, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a lot faster than, you know, putting, you know, 10% of your paycheck in a 401k for 50 years. Cause like it might take you five or seven or 10 years to get to where you want in real estate way faster than 50. Right. But, but at the same time, it's not overnight. It's not overnight like this. Yeah. It's not get rich today. (laughs) Look, it's not a lottery ticket. It's still a job. You still have to work at it. You still got to be strategic. You got to be thinking about how to mitigate risk. And that's what we're talking about with a war chest, right? You're mitigating risk. You're you're protecting your downside. You're planning out, yeah, and and even the cash flow in general. Like I hear people, oh, I'll get you know one or two or three rental properties, and I'm gonna live free the rest of my life. Like, doesn't really work that easy. Well, you, <laughs> you can't know? cash flow yourself <laughs> to riches. You know, you can cash flow yourself to some level of financial freedom, but riches come from equity. Like net worth is what you need, yes. right, to be rich. It's yeah, not cash that's flow. What's, that's what's people more miss that to all me. the time. Like yes, if I yes. buy a property that's worth. $100,000 and I borrow $100,000 on it and it cash flows 10,000 a year. That's cool, right? But you know what I should do? Pay that sucker off. So I have some equity. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Net worth is way more popular. I remember before when I was didn't know much, I was coming up in the business and I, I just wanted to make a million dollars. And I didn't, you know, I thought that was all yeah. great, but making a million is a lot different than having a net worth. Of, well, know, keeping a million five, is the trick, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping like, a million. <laughs> like, like make a million and spend a million. You're in the same place you were at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The net worth is way more cool. That, I yeah, think well, that's where is, the net worth is, right? Yeah, that's for yeah. savings, right? If you buy a building and it amortizes over 20 or 30 years and it pays off $10,000 a month or $20,000 a month, that's $20,000 added to your net worth every yeah. month. 
That's yeah. real equity that you can tap later in the future. That's wealth, long-term financial wealth. And you can do that to buy more, do other things, exactly. or travel around the world for a year and whatever you want to do in life. It's just giving you that that freedom. Yeah, that's but, where yeah. freedom comes from. What yeah. well, real wealth is cash flow is good, but real wealth is is what you what you really need. But let's dive into. We have a question. So we we have a question. This is uh this segment we do, uh, investor insight, and uh, we have a question that somebody asked, and this is from Austin, and he says, uh, do you have any future market predictions? What should we? Uh, what should house buyers keep in mind right now? So I know it's been okay. a topic for everyone. Yeah, I mean, this is always a tricky topic, but it's particularly <laughs> yeah. tricky right now, right? So we have two counter uh, we have two counter indicators. One is inflation still very high. Inflation tends to drive prices up, but yeah. interest rates are also very high, which tends to drive inflation down. If the Federal Reserve performs a magic trick, they might drive inflation down without crashing the housing market. It's possible, <laughs> but it seems unlikely. Although it's increasingly more possible than it was. People aren't talking about that, but it seems like they're doing a pretty good job. Inflation is slowly tapering off. Slowly, yeah. Market hasn't crashed yet. Um, so maybe... <laughs> The magic just, just maybe <laughs> yeah. we might we might get that soft landing that they promised us. Um, but uh, if I were looking at buying a house right now, I would be looking at do I want to live in this house for 10 years? Normally, I say five, right? Like, because here's the thing, you never want to buy a house. Now, if you're buying an investment, it's different. But if you're buying a house, if you can afford the payment, and you're confident in your job status, and your ability to make those payments, right? And you're buying the house, and you're planning on moving in two years, you're better off renting every time. Because transaction costs are going to eat it up. You're taking market risk that the property might go down in value, all that stuff. But but those are generally short-term things, right? If you're yeah. going to live there five years, you're going to pay off a little bit instead of paying off none, right? Because the first couple of years, you pay off essentially nothing on amortizing debt. And um, as you, the longer you have it, the more you're paying off, right? And the more you yeah. pay off, the more real wealth you're building. Yeah, more and money so, in your pocket. Yeah. You know, so, so that's when you start getting, and people say, I don't want to throw away my money on rent because my rent's 3000 a month and my house payment's 3000 a month, right? Or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, if I pay 3000 a month to my landlord, I don't get anything back. No, you get a place to live. That's what you get, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you pay 3000 a month to the bank and you sell your house two years from now for the same price and you only paid off like $5 in the two years, and then you have transaction costs of 6% to sell it, you actually lost money, right? Like you got a place to live, but now you have to pay money at close, yeah. right? To get yeah. out of the house. Yeah. So if I'm buying a house now, what I'm looking at is, do I want to be there for at least seven to 10 years? And am I comfortable with that, that, that place? Am I okay with the school district, with the location? Um, mm -hmm. If I have kids, is it going to change my life? How likely am I to stay in the same job? Can I work remotely? These kind of questions are what I'd be asking before buying a house right now, because predicting the next two years in the real estate market is really hard. Yeah. And I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen. No, it probably no. will soften a little bit more. Probably we'll see some downturn in the market. I don't think we're looking at 2010 level downturns, but we could in some markets, you know, yeah. um, especially markets that are high appreciation markets, they tend to get hit faster and harder. They come mm -hmm. back faster and harder, right? So, so if you're buying in Hawaii, it's different than if you're buying in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big difference. I mean, we we seen uh, we seen that in the last in the last six months, but feel like we're kind of coming out of this whole 
spiral, you know, maybe it level feels up. like it, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah, no one's talking feels, about it, but it feels yeah. like we're like the, the drops are kind of like, you know, the market's not that bad. The economy's yeah. still good. Unemployment's still low. Um, the GDP is still going up. <laughs> but there's so much people have the, these crystal balls and magic crystal balls and doing this and that. And I never worry about what, I mean, I try and guess and I watch and I want to sure. be you know educated what's going to happen. But I always buy a deal. Um, you know, as, if it looks like a deal, smells like a deal, I'll buy a deal. And I just get more you know, conservative right now. If you're buying fundamentals, you know, you know, if you're buying a deal now, just make sure it's yeah. better. Numbers. If it's a deal, it's a deal, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. people make money in every cycle of the real estate market. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. in every market in every cycle. And people say, Oh, it's so expensive in Southern California. Sure. But people are still making money in Southern California. Right. Yeah. It's so expensive yeah. in Hawaii. Sure. Yeah. But people sure. make money in Hawaii. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, and and you know what? You can make a lot of money really fast in some markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because I have to buy like in 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 Detroit, I'd have to buy like you know a hundred houses and flip a hundred <laughs> houses to make the same as what you can make on one yeah, flip. Yeah, one flip. Right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. There's 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 no bad market as as I I yeah, actually. It's just how to, what's the best yeah. way to react? It's yeah. no different than the Hal Elrod quote, right? Like, given the circumstance you're in, like, what's the best thing you can do in that circumstance? Yeah. 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 Somebody's, somebody's going to figure it out and somebody's going to do that, you know, market that deal, whatever. So my yeah, and market you. prices are set because, because that's the expected return that someone wants in that market, right? Like that's yeah. how market, that's how pricing is set. Yeah. I just want to take a quick second. And if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe below. I love it. If you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought. I love honest feedback and I love hearing what you guys think. But um, nice. So deal of the week. Uh, are you raising any money for any deal in particular? Do you have any products or the book? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the book is the big thing, right? So, yeah. you know, not everyone's going to see the camera, but, you know, the book's coming out in April, no April 25th. Days. So it's called No Bad Days, How to Make Every Day Great. But the pre-order is actually available everywhere. So Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, doesn't matter. Um, you can pre-order it anywhere. Uh, Amazon, of course, as well. Um, but so, you know, I'm excited about sharing the book. The book is, um, it's, it's my life story, uh, told as a series of life lessons, you know, the yeah. things that I learned along the way. So, you know, some of it we covered today, like, uh, you know, getting leukemia, but there's, there's obviously a lot more in a book than we can cover in, you know, 45 minutes on a podcast. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I really, I really am happy with how it turned out and I'm really excited to share it with people because I think it's really important. And that's, like I said, that's why I go on podcasts. It's about, um, sharing my unique perspective because I think it can help people. And and we know it's helped you. You've said as much. You think yeah. about it sometimes. And, yeah, and just you, know, you haven't even read the it. book, yeah. but I yeah. promise you next time I see you, I'll give you a copy because I have no, some I'll, printed copies. I'll, already. I'll buy one. I'll buy one on Amazon. You can buy one too, yeah. but I'll give you a signed one because, you know, yeah. we're friends. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll see each other, I think, in uh, for uh, the mastermind in, in Maui. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. So when I when we go there, I'll make sure you get one. <laughs> you have to bring one for everybody. You have to try. Oh, I mean, it's not that big of a group. I already planned on bringing everyone one. So don't feel too special. But now they all know they're getting one. <laughs> oh, geez. They have an extra suitcase of books. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like a couple. I mean, it's a dozen. I mean, it's not that many books. Right? <laughs> like, a dozen. It's a lot of books in a suitcase. It's a lot of weight. Yeah, I can. This is a small book, man. It's paperback. I can, I can throw it in my backpack. I can fit about yeah. 50 in my backpack. I know because I bring them to Puerto Rico with me when I go. Oh Jesus! 
what are you doing down in Puerto Rico when you're down there? I mean, are you just you're you can manage everything from overseas? Yeah, so. yeah, my yeah. I mean, I still do this kind of stuff, podcasting and whatever. You know, I get on yeah. Zoom and and have meetings and I make phone calls. But I mean, I do a lot of I I have a lot of time freedom. So a lot of it is just exploring the island, getting to yeah. know people, meeting people. Um, I I have a lot of people come visit me there. You know, so mm-hmm. we and there's a lot of real estate meetups there. Um. You know, I even have like, um, like I have some like coaching that I do sometimes. It's some of my coaching students will come and we'll like do these like weekend intensives where they can hang out with us, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and kind of learn about the market in Puerto Rico, but, but, or just about, you know, multifamily investing or whatever topic we happen to be working on. So, you know, people can reach out about that if they want to, but, but I mean, it's, I just hang out in Puerto Rico, man. I love it. It's a great place. <laughs> I even started a Puerto Rican YouTube channel called Puerto Rico life, where I just like film myself walking around talking about how much I like puerto rico yeah yeah oh that's great i gotta go watch that i want to see because i'm curious more about puerto rico myself well come come it, on down you can is stay it like hawaii I, I wonder if it's like hawaii i wonder if... so you know um it has similarities you know I, I in fairness i've only ever been to hawaii once for a very short yeah. period of time yeah, yeah. the similarities are it's an uh, uh island surrounded by ocean right like that's an obvious <laughs> yeah. one but yeah. also you know you have mountains and and uh, rainforest and um, you know, in, in, in desert areas. So, I mean, there is a lot of geographical diversity in Puerto Rico. So there is that. Um, and, you know, it's American dollar dominated and all that stuff. So there's a lot of similarities. Of course, there's a Spanish culture. Um, Spanish is the native language there. Um, there's a different colonial history that makes it's, mm. it's granted there's a colonial history in Hawaii too, that, you know, we have to consider yeah, that, yeah. but, but it's a different colonial history, right. For different reasons. So there's, there's similarities and differences. That's cool. But it's a cool place. It's a really cool place. And it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I'd love to bring the family and see. Yeah, come on down. We'll hang out. So um so uh, last part, how how can everyone uh how can the audience find you on social media? What's your social media and all the different handles to Oh I to... know I wish I wish I was more creative, but I'm literally at Jeffrey Holst everywhere. So J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-H-O-L-S-T. It's literally just my name. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's Twitter or TikTok or uh be real. I'm I'm it's it's everywhere. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. I do a lot on Instagram. That's my that's my main platform. I also have um you know, I have the the two podcasts, so Last Life Ever, which is about the Last Life Ever philosophy, and uh-huh. Old Fashioned Real Estate, which is where we drink old fashions, like the bourbon drink, and yep. talk about real estate on YouTube. Um, so you can check that out at oldfashionedrealestate.com awesome. or Old That's Fashioned awesome. Real Estate at YouTube. So nice. Check them out, guys. Good stuff. Best no bad days. Guys, come uh like and follow and subscribe and all that great stuff. But definitely check out his book. No, um, no bad days. I want to read it myself because I'm a believer in it. Now I got to read about it and uh, learn about it myself. So thank you guys. Thank you for having Jeff on here. Super excited to just talk story. And, uh, you know, it was great. I, we had a full on script to follow, but that went out the window because we just talk story. Um, the and, best and ones just, always do. Yeah. It, it's very intriguing to me. And that's what I, I you know, honestly, sometimes these podcasts are just my uh, questions of what's you know intriguing to me. That's, so. <laughs> no, that's the best part about podcasting. The reason I do podcasting is so I can ask people questions that I want to know the answers to. Yeah. And I hope everyone else wants to know those answers too. So. Yeah. But if they don't, <laughs> at least I get my answer, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. But uh, thank you everyone for following and subscribing and, and like and comment and ask questions and uh, have no bad days, everybody. <laughs> A lot.